for joining me on another episode of paranormally speaking i'm your host neil parks enjoy the ride unfortunately i've received a lot of hate mail lately and messages of disdain and hate from those that were unhappy with my 15 minute long rant and rave about the careless and thoughtless murder of george floyd and the gentleman jogging through a neighborhood in georgia and shot dead by white supremacists who were declaring a citizen's arrest against Mr. Arbery for the crime of being black or for the female black EMT, I believe it was in California, who due to a mistake and dispatch from police, they stormed her home and shot her multiple times, no questions asked, guns blazing, because they believed it to be a drug house. However, they had the wrong address. And her crime was the crime of being black. Now, unfortunately, I say this, and many people are quick to be on the defense and saying, how can you say these things and accuse all white people of being malicious and hateful and racist and cops of being malicious and hateful and racist. And the sad reality is, and the truth being, I am not. I am merely woke. And I'm trying to get people to understand that I was at one time in my life bigoted, not racist, bigoted, prejudiced, believed that I was better than because of my white skin color. I, at one time many years ago, didn't think that a black man should ever be president. Not because I wanted to see a black man hang from a tree or publicly lynched in the streets or to not receive fair housing for that matter. I just saw it from my white eyes as a way for the black agenda to be met. Whatever that agenda was, I feared it because I didn't know it. I grew up in a very rural area in the Midwest. Went to a school where we had no black, Latino, gay, or at that time we didn't know they were gay. They came out much later. But anyway, we were all white. We were all white wasps, essentially. White Anglo-Saxon Protestants. And I was taught that Catholicism wasn't really Christianity, that it was a cult. So there was a great disservice against me because sometimes people that mean well and believe that they are doing the Lord's work are completely 
ignorant and blinded by their own prejudices because they too had these same prejudices passed down to them. And that brings to mind the term white privilege. And I had to explain white privilege to a few fellow white people last week who asked me what it meant. So I broke it down for them like this. White privilege is when a random white mass shooter is calmly apprehended and peacefully escorted into custody by a few police officers. That is, if the shooter didn't turn the gun on themselves first. In the same instance, eight or more white police officers will violently and aggressively topple a black man to the ground for the crime of allegedly selling single cigarettes from a pack or allegedly passing a bad check or a counterfeit bill or perhaps by matching the description of a random black person of interest. These incidences often result in the death of said black person while in police custody. And in the end, a majority of the time, the accused actually committed no crime whatsoever. Their crime was the crime of being black in the wrong place at the wrong time. Another example would be our white president referring to members of the KKK and other white supremacist groups as fine people, while in the same breath he will call Black Lives Matter and their movement a group of thugs and declares that they should be considered a terrorist organization. What else would be considered white privilege? A group of two dozen or more Minutemen heavily armed, if not thousands of them, Storming over two dozen state capitals, blocking traffic and preventing medical professionals from attending to COVID-19 patients, all while crying that it's their constitutional right. And they become praised by our white president as patriots and true Americans, all while peaceful protesters who are outraged by nonstop racism, killings by aggressive police, brutality from police sworn to serve and protect, they are tear-gassed, shot with rubber bullets, beaten, knocked over, clubbed, and dragged through the streets while exercising their constitutional rights. The problem is, bad cops are making all cops look bad. I personally know a lot of wonderful police officers who are disgusted by the actions of thugs dressed in uniform. And those who are protesting these injustices and generations of racial oppression are not destroying everything or burning down our cities. There are people operating within these protests deliberately to damage the cause. On top of all of these things that are going on with the racial tensions in America that have been personified by people who seem to be an expert, an armchair expert in every walk of life, but have absolutely no clue as to to how to remedy the situation or the real cause of it or the real way to remedy it. That brings us to the current situation with COVID-19. We're still dealing with this, America. The entire world is plagued with this. Right now, when you look at it every year, about 5% to 20% of Americans get the flu each year. More than 200,000 people are hospitalized, just hospitalized. According to the CDC, and since the 1970s, between 3,000 and 49,000 people will have died from the flu each year. This is largely due to other infections and complications that can occur when you have the flu, particularly pneumonia.
Now, as of June 14th, 2020, the number of both confirmed and presumptive positive cases of the COVID-19 disease reported in the United States have reached 2,299,890 people. Confirmed cases of COVID-19 with over 200,000 deaths reported among these cases. 200,000 people have died from COVID-19. 200,000 people from a virus that our own president said, oh, just fade away, just go away, it'll figure itself out, it'll get warm and make it go away. Oh, it's fake, it's just a hoax. They're just trying to destroy my chances of re-election. Buy my steaks, buy my ties made in China. That's from late February to mid-June. 200,000 people dead. In just four short months, there had been over 200,000 deaths as a result of a pandemic that our own president and his cult following called and continue to call a hoax and a plot to destroy his chances at re-election. Comparing COVID-19 deaths to flu type A and flu type B deaths is like comparing a bag of apples to a single banana. In one year, between 3,000 to 49,000 Americans will die from flu type A and type B. That's a given. But in just four short months, listen to me, four short months, over 200,000 Americans have died from what so many people, including our president, have called a hoax. Stop comparing the flu to COVID-19. Now, please stand by for an important message from our sponsor. Hey guys, good news. The outrageously expensive little blue pill is now generic, which means you can get the prescription medication to treat ED at affordable prices. And Hems makes it extra affordable. You pay just 30 bucks for a month's supply. And right now, get your first online doctor's visit totally free when you go to 4 slash good. That's right, free, zero copay, no expensive appointments, no awkward face-to-face conversations to get your prescription. Hims connects you to doctors online who can evaluate you and, if appropriate, prescribe your ED medication. And a pharmacy sends it right to your door. Hims makes it affordable, private, and incredibly easy. Nobody likes dealing with ED. Now, thanks to Hims, nobody has to. And that's really good news. To start your free online visit, you need to go to this exclusive address, 4 slash good. That's 4 slash good for your free online visit. F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash good. Family is big around here. We're family owned, family operated, family managed. And that means legacy. That means dependability. That means using Granger. With over 1.5 million products and knowledgeable product experts, Granger has whatever we need. And with same day pickup and next day delivery options, they have it whenever we need it. For over 90 years, businesses like ours have trusted Granger. Because, like family, Granger's got our back. Call, clickgranger.com, or stop by to see for yourself. Granger, for the ones who get it done. 10 things to know about the psychology of cults, both terrifying and utterly fascinating. Cults have a tendency to capture the attention of just about everyone. Questions abound. Where do these people come from? What are they really doing inside these secluded compounds? Most interesting, perhaps, are the psychological components of cult life. Questions such as, who in the world would fall for that? In an effort to answer these questions and more, I've provided a list of 10 things to know about the psychology of cults. For starters... Cults are attractive because they promote an illusion of comfort. Humans desire comfort, and in a fearful and uncertain world, 
many turn to cults because they tend to promote exactly what John Patrick Peterson or psychologist at Caltech has pointed out that cult leaders often make promises that are totally unattainable, but also offered by no other group in society. Such things might include financial security, total health, constant peace of mind, and eternal life. These things every human desires at the deepest level. Cults also satisfy the human desire for absolute answers. Today's world is a tough one, with more abstract issues than there are issues that are just black and white. As Dr. Adrian Furham describes in Psychology Today, humans crave clarity. Many people join cults because they believe they are being offered solid, absolute answers for questions such as good versus evil, religion, the meaning of life, politics, etc. Many cult leaders promote messages that are simple and seem to make sense, the exact opposite of what we're often provided with typical everyday life. This screams the sociopathic behavior and tendencies of Donald Trump and his Kool-Aid drinking, madman cult crawling out from under the rocks and pandering to the undereducated, poorly educated, easily duped, the list goes on. Those with low self-esteem are more likely to be persuaded by the cult environment. People are often surprised to learn that those who join cults are, for the most part, average people. They come from all backgrounds, all zip codes, all tax brackets, all races, colors. But research done in the past two decades has found an interesting pattern. Many people successfully recruited by cults are said to have low self-esteem. Cults generally do not look to recruit those with certain handicaps or clinical depression. However, people with low self-esteem are easier to break down than they are to build up in an effort to teach them that the cult is the supportive environment they are looking for. New recruits are love-bombed. Once people have been recruited by a cult, they are often what's referred to as love-bombed. You get this in a lot of far-right evangelical churches. This odd phrase is commonly used to describe the ways in which someone with low self-esteem is consistently flattered, complimented, and seduced into order to train their brain to associate the cult with love and acceptance, like a family. Statistically, women are more likely than men to join a cult, but women are used as a way to seduce men into joining cults. According to various research, uh, women make up a whopping 70% of cult members around the globe. Psychologists have different ideas about why more women than men join cults. Dr. David Bromley of Virginia Commonwealth University points out that women simply attend more social gatherings, either religious or otherwise. This makes women statistically more likely to join cults than will ultimately victimize them. Others suggest it has to do with the fact that women have been oppressed for much of human history. Therefore, they are more comfortable being under an authority figure and being told what to do and how to think. Still, others write this off as a total crock. Emma Klein, the author of the best-selling cult-themed novel, The Girls, theorizes that young women are often taught to seek the attention of men and to wait for rescue. Joining a cult, says Klein, is a way for many young women to feel as if they are seizing their destiny. Many cult members have rejected religion. 
Dr. Stanley H. Kath, a psychologist and psychology professor at Tufts University, has treated more than 60 former cult members over the course of his career. From this unique firsthand experience, Kath has noticed an interesting trend. Many people who join cults have experienced religion at some point in their lives and in the end have rejected it. Perhaps this is surprising considering many cults tend to be super religious, or at least claim to be. But Dr. Kath asserts that this trend is a sign of something deeper. Many of those who join cults are intelligent young people from sheltered environments. Growing up in such an environment, says Dr. Kath, often means that many have a history of failing to achieve intimacy, of blaming others for their failures, and of constantly striving for perfectionist goals. These characteristics make them prime targets for cult recruitment. Cults maintain their power by promoting an us-versus-them mentality. The current GOP, for example, has become a cult within itself. Cults prove powerful because they are able to successfully isolate members from their former non-cult lives. Scientology rings a bell. One of the ways cult leaders achieve this is to convince their followers that they are superior to those not in the cult. This is us-versus-them mentality ultimately leads to cult members isolating themselves socially from friends and family. They replace those relationships with new ones inside the cult. The Jehovah's Witnesses behave this way. Cult leaders are masters at mind control. Cult leaders convince their victims to separate themselves from society, give up personal possessions and sometimes huge sums of money. They convince people to buy into whatever they are promoting to do all this the cult leader must be a master at mind control. Ways in which leaders gain control over cult members vary, but some popular methods include public humiliation. New cult members may be love-bombed shortly after their arrival, but once they are established, the cult leaders often maintain emotional control through various exercises meant to publicly humiliate a member. One of such methods involves someone sitting in a chair surrounded by other members, at which time they are required to admit their recent failures, base thoughts, shortcomings, etc. Self-incrimination is another way. A favorite tactic of some infamous cult leaders, Jim Jones. Self-incrimination requires cult members to provide their leader with written statements detailing their individual fears and mistakes. The cult leader can then use these statements to shame individual members publicly. Donald Trump does this with his cabinet members and those that are a part of his committees and boards. Brainwashing. Cult leaders, it's another way that they maintain control, are known to repeat various lies and distortions until members find it difficult to distinguish between reality and cult life. Donald freaking Trump exhibits this behavioral trait and this tendency on an hour-to-hour basic basis, if not minute-by-minute. Paranoia is another means of control to maintain a false sense of comfort. Cults often rely on paranoia tactics. Cult leaders convince their victims that a group, their families, and or the government is out to get them, but that the cult can provide safety. Once a cult member comes to the conclusion that their families and country cannot keep them safe, they begin to worship and put all their faith in their cult leader. Jim Jones was especially skilled at this type of mind control trick. He would encourage members to spy on each other and consistently spoke through loudspeakers at all hours of the day so that cult members would hear his voice, whether awake or asleep. 
cult members often often have no idea they are even in a cult. Often it can be obvious to those around them. People in cults often don't realize that they have become a part of a cult. Psychologist Dr. Margaret Thaler Singer spent most of her career studying the psychology of cults and brainwashing. She found that most people enter a cult willingly without realizing the power that it has bound to have over them. Singer theorizes that it is partly because some people are more willing to see the perceived benefits than they are the potential dangers. She also mentions that many people assume cults are only religious, through, uh, though in truth, cults can also be political groups. The Republican Freakin' Party of 2020 is a prime example. It can also be lifestyle groups or business groups. Cult life can have a dangerous and lasting effect. Cult victims often spend years overcoming the emotional damage incurred during their time spent in a cult. Psychologists often treat former cult members routinely, describe the long-term effect being an occult environment can have on the human body. Dr. John G. Clark Jr. is a Harvard psychiatry professor and the co-founder of the nonprofit group which treats former members and their families from cult behavior. He specifically mentions that the symptoms of temp- the temporal lobe epilepsy are similar to those seen or reported as resulted from cult conversions. Increased irritability, loss of libido, or altered sexual interest, ritualism, compulsive attention to detail, mystic states, humorlessness and sobriety, heightened paranoia, all connect to a cult-like mentality and those trying to overcome it. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. This next segment rings true even at this point in time. This was from mid-March where this was on an episode that I did based on the pandemic and the mega flu and so forth. And I, I feel the need to share it again because we're still at that same stopping block. And in mid-June, nothing's really changed. Nothing's improved. Just enjoy and let me know what you think. Now, most of you know me well enough by now to know that I am not at all a fan, never have been, of Donald J. Trump. But one thing to keep in mind, the president did not create this virus, but he openly ignored it. He denied it. He minimized it. He joked about it. He weaponized it, politicized it, and exasperated it. He is responsible for the chaos and the unnecessary illness, and yes, the preventable deaths because of his arrogance, and his supporters are just as guilty. This is the human cost of the Make America Great Again cult delusion, and we are all paying for it, paying for it equally. This is not something that's just going to go away. Trump said it wasn't real from the very beginning. He said it's contained. Then he said it would disappear. Then he went back and blamed the Democrats and said that they are politicizing it to ruin him. Then he shared his hunches. And then he overruled his scientists 
and the scientists available on hand to guide us through this pandemic. Trump has completely failed. He has endangered every single one of us. And it was just yesterday he said on Twitter that he would appreciate a thank you for his active involvement and his lightning quick response to the coronavirus pandemic because he knew from the beginning that it was going to become a pandemic and that it was serious. Even though two, three weeks ago, a month ago, he went to his little hate rallies in different parts of the United States weekend after weekend after weekend, either between golfing in Mar-a-Lago or going to these hate rallies and chanting to lock up Nancy Pelosi or to say that the coronavirus is fake, fake news. This is all just politicized. This is all just a democratic ploy to bring down our administration. And here we are today, March, the middle of March, 2020. And now he expects to thank you for his quick response. He did nothing but cause more damage. He did nothing but strike up his ensemble of cult members who wear their little red hats with pride and think that he is the second coming, to think that he was appointed by God to lead us. This man is the great deceiver. He is a wolf in sheep's clothing. And so many of my friends and family members, there are a lot of them, who buy everything that this lunatic spews out. He is a danger to our society. He should be treated as public enemy number one. He is not a friend to you. He is not a friend to me. His self-serving own interests is all he cares about. The bottom dollar, the top dollar, the middle dollar. We are all expendable in his eyes. He has done nothing good for this country. And this pandemic and his lack of response and his lackadaisical attitude and his whole approach as this is a democratic ploy, fake news. This is all fake. It's contained. It's not contained. It's not a pandemic. It is a pandemic. His back and forth <clears throat> gerrymandering, he's done. This has completely pulled the curtain back to show what a completely corrupt creep he is and always has been. And if you can't see it, it's because you choose not to. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction. Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the internet. Here's the $10 million question. Did U.S. Special Forces kill a giant in Kandahar? Several conspiracy theory-oriented websites are claiming a biblical giant, much like Goliath, with flaming red hair was killed by U.S. soldiers in Afghanistan. United States Special Forces allegedly killed this giant in Kandahar in 2002, and the government has been trying to cover it up, according to these sources. 
Several personalities and websites dedicated to discussing supernatural myths and conspiracy theories began claiming in 2016 that an American Special Forces soldier serving in Kandahar, Afghanistan, was killed in 2002 by a 1,100-pound blade-wielding 12-foot-tall giant equal or equivalent to the Old Testament times before the giant itself was taken down by the military. A Department of Defense spokesperson told them they had no record of such an incident. And I quote, We do not have any record or information about a special forces member killed by a giant in Kandahar. Current interest in the story appears to have been generated from a video created by L.A. Maruzili, an author, blogger, and filmmaker determined to link modern times with biblical creatures and prophecies. On the 13th of August, 2016, he posted an episode on YouTube of his series, Watchers, in which he claims to interview a military contractor or soldier who witnessed the blade-wielding giant on Kandahar. (coughs) kill another soldier before being downed by troops, whisked away by a transport aircraft and hidden away from public view. Marzuli makes the case that the giant was a Nephilim, which were described in the book of Genesis as offspring of gods and human women who inhabited Canaan in the time of the Israelite conquest. But when it comes down to details, he's vague saying he interviewed the unnamed man at an undisclosed location on an unknown date. The interviewee, who he claims shot and killed the giant, doesn't give any details on the location of the alleged incident, other than to say it was a remote location in Afghanistan in 2002. He claims that he and others were sent to look for a missing patrol when they saw a scarlet-haired giant emerge from a cave and skewer one of their friends who he called Dan, with a large blade. In the Army statement, it's sufficient, isn't sufficient. The only service member with the first name Dan, or Daniel, who died in Kandahar in 2002, was killed along with three others in an accident involving the clearing and disposal of explosives. There are no incidents on the Department of Defense press release page in which all military casualties are listed, involving a giant, likewise, There are no reports of an entire patrol disappearing in Afghanistan at that time either. Marzulli's video about the alleged giant incident, replete and growling animation, can be seen on the website provided. Black-eyed children, or black-eyed kids, are a contemporary legend of supposed paranormal creatures that resemble children between the ages of 6 and 16 with pale skin and black eyes who are reportedly seen hitchhiking or panhandling or are encountered on doorsteps of residential homes. While tabloid coverage of these creatures has claimed that the tales of the black-eyed children have existed in modern lore since the 1980s, most sources indicate that the legend originated from the 1996 posting written by Texas reporter Brian Bethel on a ghost-related mailing list relating two alleged encounters with black-eyed kids. Bethel describes encountering two such children in Albadine, Texas in 1996 and claims that a second person had a similar unrelated encounter in Portland, Oregon. Bethel's stories have become regarded as classic examples of creepypasta 
and gained such popularity that he published a FAQ just to keep up with the demand for more info about the new urban legend. In 2012, Brian Bethel told his story on reality TV series Monsters and Mysteries in America. He wrote a follow-up article for the Abilene Reporter News, describing his experience and maintaining his belief that it is legitimate. In 2012, the horror film Black Eyed Kids was produced with Kickstarter funding, its director commenting that the creepy children were an urban legend that's been floating around on the internet for years now. I always thought it was fascinating. A 2013 episode of MSN's Weekly Strange that featured reports of black-eyed children is thought to have helped spread the legend on the internet. During one week in September of 2014, the British tabloid Daily Star ran three sensationalistic front-page stories about alleged sightings of black-eyed children connected to the sale of a supposedly haunted pub in Staffordshire. The paper claimed a shock rise in sightings around the world. Alleged sightings are taken seriously by ghost hunters, some of whom believe black-eyed children to be extraterrestrials, vampires, or ghosts. Science writer Sharon A. Hill was unable to find any documentation of black-eyed child encounters, concluding that the tales are passed on as friends of a friend of a friend type ghost stories. Hill considers the legend to resemble typical spooky folklore stories, such as, uh, such as the phantom black dog, where the subject is not supernatural, and there, are, there may never have been an actual or, or original encounter. Snopes lists this phenomenon as being legend. Now, it's entirely up to you what the black-eyed children or the children with the sunken-in eye holes, whatever you prefer to call them, might be. Fact, fiction, legend, lore, no matter how you slice it, it's a lot of fun to discuss because first and foremost, it's creepy as hell. I'm very sorry. That's all the time we have this week. Thank you so much for hanging in this long. Uh, If I offended anyone or pissed off anyone in the process of doing this podcast, um, for the half of you that I actually care about, or the more than half, um, thank you. I'm glad that I got through to you. Maybe some truth-telling can wake all of us up. And if you take it personally and think it's like a personal attack, then you need to reevaluate yourself, because not once did I personally attack anyone other than the dip shit that's our president so uh, yes I do call him my president even though I didn't elect the SOB I didn't vote for him if he were the only candidate I would have drawn a picture of a tree with a dog peeing on it instead of writing his name in so thank you so much for joining me I hope you have a great weekend tune in next week for more fun facts weird news uh, great topics once again this is Neil Parks award winning author And this is my podcast, Paranormally Speaking. Have a great weekend and be good to each other. I'm watching.